Hey, welcome to the Revo Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us today, wherever you are. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's message. And so this week, if you're taking notes, um, I've kind of talked or I've titled today's message, uh, I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. Well, if you are new here, uh, or maybe you're watching online, I know we have several people that watch online from all over the place. And and if you're new in here, um, I'm from South Louisiana. So, you know, in South Louisiana, man, we ain't all there, but we ain't stupid either, you know what I mean? And so uh, every now and then I like to throw out a little good Boudreaux Thibodeau joke. Listen, if you don't know who Boudreaux and Thibodeau uh, is, I know that's not grammatically correct, but that's just how we roll. So if you don't know who they are, the best way to describe them is if you've ever seen swamp people. Come on, anybody ever seen swamp people? Or how about water boy? (laughs) You know, you ever seen that? That's that's, that's Boudreaux and Thibodeau. And so I got a little Boudreaux Thibodeau joke for you as we uh, are diving into this relationship goals, relationship series. You know, Boudreaux is, is on his way back to his favorite hangout, AKA the bar. He walks into the bar and as he walks into the bar, man, the, uh, the bartender realizes, man, he looks down in the dumps. He's not looking so great. He's not looking like Boudreaux. And so his friend asked him, the bartender asked him, he says, hey man, what's wrong with you today? He said, you don't look like yourself. Boudreaux looks at him and he says, well, you know, man, me and Marie, we got in this big argument the other day and, uh, and she told me she wasn't gonna talk to me for a month. The bartender looks at Boudreaux and says, well, man, I figured that would probably make you happy. He said, yeah, I've been happy, but today's the last day of the month. (laughs) That's funny right there. I don't care who you are. Anyway, welcome to Revo, everybody. Well, I want to kind of set you up for today. Today's going to be a little bit of a prick, a little bit of a kick, a little bit of a poke. And, uh, and I know that, uh, that there's some people maybe in here that have experienced something that has been dif- difficult and hard for them, but I do believe this, I do believe that it does not matter what you have walked through or gone through in marriage. God is a God of restoration. He is a God of healing. He is a God of forgiveness. And, uh, and, and I wanna talk about some things in here today that may kind of bring back some thoughts. And so I just kind of wanna Uh, preface that, but I also want you to know that as we continue to go through these things, that we are going to see God do some amazing things, amazing miracles. There's going to be families restored. There's going to be futures that find hope again. I truly believe that when we give God our first, because he is our number one, that he will take care of the rest. Amen. So Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you so much for every single person in this room. God, we know uh, that we have all walked in this place, myself included, carrying something. And so I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that as you begin to move through this room and through those that are watching online, I pray right now that you would do what only you can do. And that's to soften the hearts of those in this room and those watching online. So guide us and direct us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, listen, I'm a, I'm a hollaback preacher. I'm a crowd participation preacher. Like I like whenever I say something, I like for you to be like, hey, preach, preacher, you know? Like, shout it, white boy, something. I don't know, just give me something, just give me something. But, uh, but I, I uh, so, so with, with crowd participation, with a show of hands, how many of you in here are married? Show of hands, okay, wow, okay, let's go, let's go. Okay, how many of you in this room with a show of hands hope to one day be married? 
One day, baby. Okay, listen. Hey, listen. Look around. Look around. Scoping and hoping. Look around. Okay. Turn around, girl. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But listen, I, 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 it's funny because I, I say scoping and hoping. I get this text message uh, the other day, aka the other day to me. It could be like three years ago, but it's the other day, you know? So I get this text message and they say, uh, they say hey, pastor, I'm, uh, I'm at this restaurant and it's, you know, I'm all here by myself, single, and I'm here with some other single people and I'm just out here scoping and hoping. I'm like, all right, man, you just keep it holy, all right? You keep it holy. But you know, we raise our hands, those that are married, we raise our hands, those that hope to one day be married. Let me ask you this question. How many of you in this room hope to one day walk out on your family? That's what I thought. No one, I don't care who you are, gets up to an altar, gets up to a stage or a field or wherever it is that you get married and you begin to have a commitment and you say vows unto God to one another you don't walk up to that moment and say, you know what, one day I plan on walking out. See, no one plans to wreck a marriage with sin, but people do it every single day. And here's the thing, it's difficult to build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. It is so difficult to build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. And the way we live today, it impacts all areas of our lives, especially when it comes to marriage. Remember last week I asked the question, I said, hey, who in here uh, can say that if they are lazy that they would see a successful business? They would see, they would see a successful yard? They would see a successful uh, you know, school grades. No one in this room can be lazy and see success. And if we're willing to fight for those things that we love, whether it's our business or whether it's relationships or whether it's your grades, how much more should we fight for those things that God has blessed? And it's our marriages. See, in Genesis chapter two, we've been using this passage over these last two weeks and we're gonna continue it in week number three. And as we go on with the weeks, I continue to add a verse to it. And so in Genesis chapter, uh, chapter two, verse 24 through 25, it says this, it says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become what? They become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. See, the root word for shame, it actually comes from a Hebrew word called bush. And it means to be ashamed or to feel completely worthless. We read in Genesis chapter two that Adam and Eve, they felt nothing. They felt no shame and they were naked. I remember when the boys, I have five kids, I have three girls and I have two sons, pray for me. Um, but I, I, I have two boys and, uh, and I remember when they were younger, they were probably three and five at this time. Um, uh, Mariah and I were living in Jacksonville and as we were in Jacksonville, we were in the living room and I think she was in the kitchen doing something at the time and the boys were taking a bath. And as I'm in the living room, I hear this phrase, smell my victory. And I'd hear it again, smell my victory. 
And I, and, I, and I asked Mariah, I'm like, do you, do you hear what I'm hearing right now? And like, I was, smell my victory. And it went on and on and on. Charlie would say, smell my victory. Jackson would say, smell my victory. You know, like, and, like, like smell my victory. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? So I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna kind of peek around the corner and just see what's happening. And as I, as I peek around the corner, Charlie has his arm way up in the air and Jackson's nose is in his armpit and Charlie's screaming, smell my victory, smell my victory. And I thought to myself, no shame, (laughs) no shame. What happened? (laughs) Smell his victory now, you know what I'm saying? B.O. Anyway, I, I think about that and it's funny, but I also think about the passage that we just read in Genesis chapter two, where Adam and Eve felt no shame. But as we read on, if you know the story, you kind of know what happens. If you're not familiar with the Bible, maybe this, is, this whole church and Bible is, is brand new to you. So you don't understand and you don't really realize the concept of what we're talking about right now. See, Adam and Eve, they were created by God to worship God. They're walking around in Eve, they're, or they're walking around uh, the garden and, uh, and as they're walking around, they're naked, they feel no shame, but then all of a sudden a serpent comes in and begins to tempt Eve with eating this fruit. The serpent begins to tell Eve, if you eat of this fruit, you will be just like God. And did he really tell you not to eat this fruit? And he begins to say things to Eve to make her doubt what it was that God said. And then they begin to eat this fruit. And what happens at that time is they begin to dive into this sin and all all of a sudden sin entered into the world and they became, or they begin to feel shame. I wanna read in Genesis chapter three, verse seven through 10, it says this, it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened after they eat this fruit, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. That's why Adam says, hey, somebody needs to wear the plants in this family. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Here all day, folks, I'm here all day. That's the worst dad joke I've ever heard of. (laughs) They made coverings for themselves. But the Lord God called them to man, called to the man, where are you? God's calling to Adam, where are you? Can you imagine having that conversation and God crying out, hey, Andrew, where are you? Alex, Jimmy, where are you? Joey, where are you? Hey, where are you? Where are you? And he answered, he says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. See, I think this is an example of really what happens in our lives. If we were to kind of like dummy this down a little bit, I'm so sorry guys, but I am not just the smartest person in the world. So I have to make things very, very practical. But this is what happens in our lives. And those with children, you can relate to this very well because what what you'll say is you can see your child with cookie crumbs all over their face, chocolate all over their face. You know, it's just stuff on their little fingers and you can ask them, hey, did you eat chocolate? No. (laughs) Hey, 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 were you in the Oreos? Uh, No. 
They begin to say, no, not me, or, or, even, or even take it a step further, your two, three-year-old or uh, two or three-year-old, you know, they're, they're still in diapers, maybe, I don't know, maybe you have genius children and they're potty trained at like one, but they're still in diapers. And you know how this goes because you can smell what they're doing, but as you're tracking these children, you can say, hey, did you make poopy? No. No. Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, red, red. I mean, they're hiding behind curtains. You know, they're like up behind a pillow. They're just trying to hide from everything. Did you make poopy? No. It's funny because we take something so basic and so childish, but we can actually look at our children and we can begin to understand how it may be that God looks at us because the reality of this is we can ask our children, did you get in chocolate? Did you get in the cookies? Are you making poopy? And they'll always say, no, I'm good. No, 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 that's not me. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But all of a sudden, as grown-ups, we can do the same thing. We can do the same thing. People begin to ask us, are you in a place where you need help? No, I'm good. You know, you can walk around and people say, are you sure you're good? I mean, because it looks like, from the looks of it, it seems to be that you are struggling with something. It seems to be that you may not be doing very well. I can tell that there's a different demeanor in your actions. I can tell how you are going through your day in your life. I can tell that something is going on. Are you sure you're all right? Yeah, great. Nothing you are dealing with. No, I'm good. And we try to hide our sin and we don't let anyone help. And the reason why we do that, the reason why we hide, the reason why we hide our sin, the reason why we hide our struggles is because we begin to feel a sense of shame. We feel a sense of shame. And this is what ends up happening is that we do something wrong and so therefore we feel shame and this is a tool of the enemy where Satan begins to connect the what with the who. We walk around in life and we do something wrong. We trip, we make a mistake, we fall short, right? We all do it every single day. We fall short. And then all of a sudden what begins to happen is Satan begins to identify your issue, your mistake. And he says, okay, you've messed up and now this is who you are. So you and I begin to walk around with this label over our life and this label over our head. Well, I guess since, you know, 10 years ago and 20 years ago, I messed up. So that's just who I am. And I'll never be able to overcome that. I'll never be able to step into fully who it is that God has created me to be. I'll never begin to say, okay, I can truly walk in victory. I can truly walk in restoration. I can truly walk in healing. Why? Because this is just who I am. But it's a tactic that the enemy uses. He wants to make you walk in shame. I did something bad, so I guess that I'm just bad. And would you believe it if I were to tell you that we do this to each other all the time? You're married in here, you can walk around and 
You can begin to, in your mind as a wife, you can begin to say, man, I can't let him know that I struggle or he won't love me. As a man in here, you can walk around and begin to say, man, I can't let her know my secret battles or she may not understand. Can I tell you, here's the thing about that is that secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Do you wonder why your marriage is lacking intimacy right now? And I can guarantee you it is secrecy. I just, I just don't want them to know. I don't want them to get too close. So therefore I have to have an arm's distance out here. I've got to kind of give a little stiff arm, a little jab. I got to keep them at bay right now because if they get too close, they may begin to see that something's wrong. They may begin to pick up on some things that I'm doing. They may begin to start seeing some things that are happening in my life. So therefore I have to keep everybody at bay. But secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Ephesians chapter five says it this way. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Did you know that you and I are made spiritually new? That if you said yes to the Lord and you've revealed your heart to him and you said, you know what, I am a believer and I'm a follower of Christ. You and I actually have been made new in Christ. All the old is gone and the new is here to stay. That you and I, we are a new creation. We are a new being. We are a new spirit. We are a new soul. We are made new with him. But even sometimes as a believer, we walk back into the darkness. Have you ever walked into a movie theater? You go to a movie, maybe it's on a date, you're with some friends, whatever it may be. You know, you go into a movie theater and as you walk into this movie theater, if you're anything like me, you go into the movie theater and I kind of have to stop. I have to stop real quick because I'm like, man, I'm gonna run into the wall. Like I gotta, I gotta stop, right? I'm gonna hit myself, boom, ow. I have to stop. Why? Because I have to let my eyes begin to adjust a little bit. You know, you walk from the light into the dark. It's, it's like, man, I, I, I can't see anything. So you have to let your pupils begin to dilate a little bit. You have to begin to let the light filter out of the darkness so that you can begin to see a little bit. And so, so if you're anything like me, we begin to walk into these dark areas and these dark rooms and we stop for a second so that the light can kind of begin to shine and you're able to see a little bit better. If I can gently say this to some of us in this room, that some of you as Christians have stepped back into the darkness and you don't even know it because you have adjusted to the darkness. It doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you wrong. It makes you human. But here's the thing, God doesn't want you to stay in the darkness. We all fall. We all miss the mark. We're all trying to aim at what it is that God has for our life. But guess what? Sometimes our aim is a little skewed. Sometimes life kind of makes us shake a little bit and we can't really kind of put a full focus where we're trying to aim. We're, we're walking through hard times. We're walking through struggles. We're walking through difficulties and we're trying our best, but we miss the mark. Do you know that God honors and he loves the fact that you're trying your best? Amen. 
You're trying your best. We are humans, guys. You do not need to walk around in shame feeling like, well, it just is what it is. I am just that way. No, you are more than that. You are more than that. See, you're living in a place and don't even realize that you've drifted from the light. I want to go back and read Ephesians 5, 8 again. For you were once darkness, but now you are a light, what? In the Lord. You are a light in the Lord. Live as children of the light and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. See, you're never going to find healing in the dark because shame grows best in the dark. I'm gonna share a story with you. I've shared this story before and maybe many of you will remember it. Uh, maybe those that are new, obviously this will be the first time that you hear it. But about a year, year and a half ago, I was struggling with something and um, I found myself in this place where I was wanting to watch something I shouldn't watch. Hadn't dealt with that in decades, hadn't dealt with it in years, but for whatever reason, whatever I was going through at the time, these thoughts began to penetrate my mind and I thought to myself man I really want to watch something I really want to watch something and I thought to myself for a moment because as I was kind of getting captivated and carried away in my thoughts I thought you know wow that would be kind of fun that would be nice that would be a you know a way to escape a little bit but then I stopped for a second and I thought well what if I do that what would happen and then I thought, you know, I need to say something to someone. I need to shine some light on this thing because if I don't shine some light on this thing, it could actually get out of hand. And I begin to think to myself, who in the world am I gonna tell? And then for whatever reason, the Lord put my wife on my mind. Okay, Lord. Now I'm gonna tell you as a husband, and I can't speak for wives, but as a husband, that was probably one of the hardest conversations that I was about to bring up to her. And I'll never forget it because I walked up to Mariah and I said, you know what, um, Mariah, I said, I, I don't know why I'm thinking this. And, I, and honestly, I'm a little nervous sharing this with you. But I, I wanna watch something that I know I shouldn't watch. And uh, I haven't done it. I haven't watched anything, but I need to tell you because if I don't tell you, then I'm gonna wanna hide it. And if I wanna hide it, then I'm gonna continue to do something. And, um, it blew my mind from her response because what she told me was something completely different than what I thought. See, what I thought she was gonna say is, I thought she was gonna say, am I not good enough for you? Well, you don't, you don't love me? Am I not pretty enough for you? Like, you, you gotta go somewhere else. Like, do you not love me enough? That's what I was thinking she would say. But she didn't say that at all. What she said, as soon as I got done talking, she says, what can I do to help you? I thought, wow is completely different than what I thought. What can I do to help you? The next thing she told me, she said, have you been in your word today? And I said, no, I haven't. Well, fast forward from a year, year and a half ago to just several months ago where I kind of hit this, this emotional wall again where I didn't really know what was going on with me. I kind of just had had this breakdown. I had a, a mental, emotional breakdown really 
where I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't like get my thoughts together. Any small detail or small thing that I had to think of or any decision that I had to make, it really just, it, it, it put me on a tailspin. And I find myself in this position where I'm, I'm on the floor crying constantly and Mariah's having to like wrap her arms around me and tell me it's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. I had to tell our team and Andrew and everybody, hey man, I'm just not doing very well. I, I need to kind of take a break. I, I call our overseers and I begin to tell them, man, I, I don't know what's going on with me. I, everything that I love to do now I hate to do. I don't want to be around people. I don't want to be around anyone. I just want to be by myself and I want to just kind of be. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, but yeah, I have to be strong for you. This is what's going in my mind. I'm a pastor of church. I can't be weak. I have to be strong for the congregation. I have to, I have to help lead them. I have, to, I have to do all these things. And so I'm fighting this in my mind and thinking, man, I've got to be something that I really can't be right now. And so I'm trying to push through it. I'm trying to like kind of make my way through it. And then all of a sudden I find myself on the ground in our field and I had just passed out. I just fainted right there. Boom, out. Nobody there to pick me up. Constantly crying again, looking out of the window, just can't hold it together. And then I finally thought, man, something is really wrong with me. Call our overseers again and I tell them, man, I don't know what's going on with me. I go to the doctor. My blood pressure was 180 over 105, extremely high. My, all my levels were extremely low. They were just kind of off the charts. And, um, and so then I, I start to kind of start this process of getting right. You know, I took six weeks off and just rested and really tried to rebuild my soul and my, my spirit, my body. And, and here I find myself again where I had to expose my weakness. I had to expose my weakness. And by doing so, I was able to have people who loved me rally around me to help me get whole again. Can I tell you that there's two types of people in this world? One group of people that say, oh, I care, but they don't really care. What I mean by that is they care more about your problem. They care more about your issues so that they can go around and they can begin to say things to other people to make themselves look better. But they don't really care about you. But then you have another group of people that begin to say, oh, well, I don't really care, but I truly care. Meaning, I don't care about your mess. I don't care about your issue. I don't care about your situation. What I truly care about is to see you get whole again. Those are the people you want to surround yourself with. Listen, there's, there's two circles in life. There's a group of circles of people where it's a circle where when you get in that circle, they make you feel whole. They make you feel healthy. Then there's another group of circled people where when you get into that circle, you feel like you're caged. Stay away from the cage. Don't worry about what those people think about you. Surround yourself around individuals that help lift you up. I had to expose my weakness once again. And I tell you that for two reasons. And the first thing is this, especially if you're married in this room, when you are struggling with something, be a safe place for your spouse to talk. It is never easy to have hard conversations. Men, it is not an easy thing to tell your spouse, 
babe, I, I watch something or I want to watch something that I don't need to watch. But can I tell you this? That's a lot easier conversation than it is the alternative. Be a safe place. Because when you're a safe place to them, they feel, they'll, they'll feel more free for you to open up. Men, be a safe place for your wife. I'm going to tell you right now, your wives deal with the same things you deal with, just maybe not as much. They still look at other people. They still think, oh man, that guy's handsome over there. He's ripped. I wish my man didn't have a gut. He had an eight pack, six pack, 12 pack. I'll be walking in and be like, I got a 12 pack of Coke. Now what? (laughs) Be a safe place. Be a safe place. Why? Because secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Be a safe place. Second reason I tell you this is that I thought to myself, man, what harm would it be? This is in my mind. What harm would it be if I watched that? What harm would it be if I don't say anything? But as I begin to open up and as I begin to get this out of me, I begin to realize, man, if I didn't do that, what would happen down the road? And you may be saying to yourself, well, man, that's not so bad. It's not like you were doing anything wrong. Well, maybe you do, it's not. And that's why Jesus was so severe on this. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your arm causes you to sin, cut it off. I got scissors and knives for everybody as you leave today. I'm just kidding. I'm not saying cut your eyeball out and cut your arm off. I'm not saying that. But when you begin to walk in this thing called life and you are struggling with things, man, do anything and everything you can to eliminate the problem. Listen, I try. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I try to not have any secrets. Listen, if I begin to talk to another female a lot, like it's an ongoing conversation a lot on a phone, you'll probably see, and maybe some of you in here have experienced this, that if I know that this is an everyday occurrence where I'm talking to you a lot, then Mariah will be on the text thread. And I'm not saying you have to do that. That's not what I'm saying. But she knows the passwords to everything. Listen, on my phone, I have tracking on my phone. Life 360. I have the Apple tracking thing. My boys know where I'm at. Andrew knows where I'm at. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I'm a prisoner. (laughs) I can't even get ice cream without somebody saying, bring me some ice cream. Man, they, they, it's, it's, it's not, it's not the fact that they're trying to keep me shackled and in prison. It's the fact that I know that I never, ever want to have to stand up here or not be allowed to stand up here to tell you something that has happened. I want to pastor you till I am 80, 60, maybe not 80. All right, guys, turn to what book are we in? (laughs) What is in this thing? I don't know. (laughs) Psalm 119. Get a move on it, Charles. Psalm 119. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. 
I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do we do that? And we seek God every single day. First 15, we get in the word, we get in the Bible app, we get on you version, we get on glorify, whatever it is you do. <coughs> you have to begin to ask <coughs> God, man, God, turn my heart more towards you. I heard something, I heard a pastor say this one time and, and I thought it was really, really awesome. And so I'm gonna tell you, and it's an exercise that I'm gonna say, but I want you to lock it in your mind or maybe even write it down. Before you do something, think ahead and visualize what it will mean and what it will cost you. Before something happens, think ahead. Think a week ahead, a day ahead, a month ahead, a year ahead. Think, think, just think ahead of what it will mean and what it will cost you. And I can tell you this, thinking ahead for me, it means this. It means that I'm, I, I'd be breaking the heart of God. Thinking ahead means that one day that I will meet God face to face and I will have to give an account of where I fell short or how I led people astray. Thinking ahead, I will lose my reputation in ministry. Thinking ahead, I will, I will lose unconditional trust from you and my kids. Thinking ahead, I would say, oh my gosh, I just broke my kids' hearts. See, secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Proverbs 28 says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So how do we stay pure? Living according to God's word. We have to remember God is my one. God is my one. Stop trying to be God to your spouse because you are not. God is their God. God is your one, your spouse is your two. The second thing is that you have to always pursue your two. And the third thing, <coughs> the third thing is that you have to say, I'm gonna confide in you and not hide from you. Father, we thank you so much for today. I thank you so much for everything that you've done and said and revealed. Lord, I pray right now that you would continue to do a work in us. God, that everything, Everything that was revealed today, begin to move right now. Move in our hearts, move in our minds. Those that are sitting in this room, those that are watching online, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would begin to move and that you would do what only you can do and that's to soften our hearts and to open the vaults of our mind so that we can release that to you. If you're married in this room, just grab the hand of your spouse sitting next to you. Father, I pray over the married couples in this room today. I pray victory over their marriage, restoration over their marriage, healing over their marriage. Lord, we've all fallen short somewhere, but we also know that you are the God of love. You're the God of forgiveness. You're the God of restoration. Lord, I pray over the marriages in this room that they would thrive in a way that they've never seen before, that they would continue to walk out their day every single day, that they would walk with their head high, hand in hand, that they are loving you and that they are serving one another. 
that there would be a joy that would continue to spark on the inside of them, that they would have a gaze into each other's eyes like they once had before. Father, I pray for that fresh anointing, that fresh wind, that fresh love, that fresh desire, that fresh intimacy back into their marriage that maybe they've lost. Father, that you are our one and we are gonna serve our two. For those in here that are not married, that hope to maybe one day be married, maybe you've walked through a divorce and maybe hope to be married once again, I pray over your life. I pray, Father, that right now that they're not walking in loneliness. I pray right now that they're not walking in defeat. I pray right now that they would not walk in unforgiveness, but Father, that they would walk in full joy with you, full peace in you. God, that as they are, as they are preparing as they are preparing their self for their two, Lord, I pray that there would be a fresh wind, a fresh anointing, a fresh, a fresh fire that burns deep down on the inside of them so that they can become the one that they are looking for. God, we love you so much. We desire you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, why don't we give God some praise today? Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. If you've made a decision today to follow Jesus for either the first time or the hundredth time, shoot us an email at info at RevoChurchFL with the subject line, I've decided. And let us know where you're listening from because we want to celebrate with you. Check us out on our socials at RevoChurchFL to stay plugged in with what's happening within our community. And we believe it's going to be your best day ever if it's your best day spiritually.